You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church. We're located in the Ballston neighborhood of Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us on the web at cumcballston dot o-r-g. There you can learn more about our congregation, where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. The season of Advent is a time of anticipation. In the momentous conversation between Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama that resulted in the publication of the Book of Joy, one of the pillars of joy they identified was perspective. Opening ourselves to a different perspective can bring a sense of hope in the midst of despair, allowing joy to creep in no matter what. Opening the perspectives of others can shift our fear to compassion, turning swords into plows. Salvation is near, says the scripture, when we wake up, when we prepare room in our lives for a new light, new insight, new hope to enter. Let us hear from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 5. The word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations, and will render decisions for many peoples, and they will hammer their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Come, house of Jacob, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Our second reading for today is Romans 13 verses 11 through 14. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading our scriptures this morning. So when your alarm goes off in the morning, are you the type of person to immediately hit snooze for just five more minutes? Or do you bound out of bed eager to begin the day? Maybe you're one of those folks who actually wakes up just a minute or two before your alarm goes off. Or maybe you don't have an alarm that wakes you up in the morning because you work an evening or a night shift. Some people seem to more naturally be night owls, while others are early birds. Paul's letter to the church at Rome uses the literal experience that we have all had, waking up to start the day. He uses this literal experience to help with a spiritual truth. 
He's trying to help those early Christians better understand spiritually the way that they are to live now that they have Jesus as their Lord of their life. The Reverend Dr. Susan Eastman argues that in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, he is teaching, quote, that as Christians, we are all morning people. The time is just before dawn. The sky is brightening. The alarm is ringing. Day is at hand. It's time to rouse our minds from slumber, to be alert to what God is doing in the world and to live in accordance with God's coming salvation. This wake-up call comes in the midst of teaching about mutual love and acceptance in the fellowship of faith. Paul interrupts himself to remind his hearers of their common hope in the clear and revealing light of God's coming day of salvation. This hope is the motivator for the new ways of relating to one another that Paul wants the Jewish and Gentile Roman Christians to adopt. Amidst bitter division eroding churches today, both local and global, Paul's words bring needed perspective. In the wonderfully countercultural season of Advent, he names a way for us to see our present situation. It is still dark, still nighttime. We still indulge in quarreling and jealousy. Paul intends to give us night vision to see and name this division as nighttime. End quote. In Paul's world, not unlike our own, Sin had a grip on many people. It caused brokenness and pain on an individual level and on a communal level. There were cultural divisions, wars, and oppression. And Paul wanted the followers of Christ to acknowledge, not ignore the reality of the world. And he wanted them to be on alert for God at work. Because in God's mighty act of salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is up to something in this broken world. Romans 13, 11, The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The season of Advent is a season of preparation. We are preparing room in our hearts and in our homes for the arrival of Christ. We prepare him room in a variety of ways. Physically, we decorate the space. You can see the space where we worship today has been filled with signs and symbols that remind us of Christ. In our homes, many of us decorate sometimes hanging Christmas lights outside to remind us that the light of the world is coming to us again at Christmas. And we also prepare spiritually. We may engage in a new or a different spiritual discipline, maybe a new habit of reading scripture and praying every day. We have the Upper Room devotional for free. We are happy for you to take a copy if you need one when you leave by the doors at the back of the sanctuary or by the elevator, you will see copies of the upper room for December. Take one, make it your habit in this season 
to discover what God has to say to you every day. Or maybe instead of the upper room, your practice will be to engage with the calendar of joy, to utilize the Advent calendar that the children handed out just a few minutes ago, an opportunity to live in joy this season. Advent is a time of preparation for Christmas, but all too easily we get caught up in the hectic schedule of special events or maybe the pressure to make Christmas perfect with shopping and cooking and cleaning and all of the things that go with preparing for company. To prepare him room is the most vital part of our Advent preparations, but it is so easily lost among all of the other things we have to do to get ready for Christmas. I love the way that Eugene Peterson translates this text in the message. Quote, make sure you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on salvation. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about, end quote. Let us not doze off, oblivious to God. That means that we can enter into this joy of this holy season because we are paying attention to what God is doing in this world. We can notice all the places of pain and brokenness. We can acknowledge the shadows that surround us. It may be personal pain that we carry from grief, from addiction, from poverty, from broken relationships, or it may be the awareness of the pain of this world, of war, division, and oppression. Sarah Bessie wrote, we enter into Advent precisely because we are paying attention. It's because everything hurts that we prepare for Advent. It's because we have stood in hospital rooms and at gravesides, empty churches and quiet bedrooms, that we resolutely lay out candles and matches. We don't have to have hope without having grief. Hope dares to admit that not everything is as it should be. And so if we want to be hopeful, first we have to grieve. First, we have to see that something is broken, and there is a reason for why we need hope to begin with. Advent matters, because it's our way of keeping our eyes and our hearts and our arms open wide, even in the midst of our grief and longing. End quote. We find hopeful joy because we acknowledge the grief and pain of this world in which we live. Our small group studies are using the Book of Joy to learn from this month. 
And this book captures the week-long visit between two spiritual leaders who have known great suffering in their lives. The Dalai Lama has lived in exile from his nation of Tibet for over 50 years. Archbishop Desmond Tutu fought against the racist system of apartheid in South Africa. And these two men who have lived with such deep heartache are also two incredibly joy-filled people. Together, they explored how we can transform joy from a temporary state of being into an enduring trait. There are a variety of spiritual practices that they name in the book, and among them is getting up early. The Dalai Lama wakes up at 3.30 a.m. to practice meditation in the Buddhist tradition. Archbishop Tutu sleeps in until 4 a.m. when he gets up to pray for three hours. He prays the hours that are typical in the Anglican tradition. There's an early morning prayer time, a noon time, and an evening prayer time. This is what has sustained his spiritual life and brought him joy in the midst of true suffering. Both of these men are awake to the pain of the world, and they have found a way to be awake to that pain and find a way towards joy. Archbishop Tutu said, joy is much bigger than happiness. While happiness is often seen as being dependent on external circumstances, joy is not. It's wonderful to discover that what we want is not actually happiness. It's joy. Joy is the far greater thing. Think of a mother who is going to give birth. Almost all of us would want to escape pain, Mothers know that they are going to experience the great pain of giving birth, but they accept it. And even after the most painful labor, once the baby is out, you cannot measure a mother's joy. It is one of those incredible things that joy can come so quickly from suffering. End quote. Joy isn't happiness. Joy cannot be truly understood without also acknowledging sorrow. Joy has a strength to remain when happiness leaves. The archbishop continued saying, When you're pursuing happiness, you're not going to find it. It's very, very elusive. You don't find it by saying, I'm going to forget about everything and just pursue happiness. There's a title of a book by C.S. Lewis called Surprised by Joy, and I think that expresses how joy works, end quote. Where have you been surprised by joy in your life? In my family, it's most often when someone has died and we all gather together at the funeral home for the wake. I come from a traditional Irish Catholic family, and that means wakes are big parties, there are always stories, and there are laughter, and even in the midst of our tears and our grief, there is joy. Joy for the life of the one that we loved, and also sorrow for the one that we loved who is now gone from us. There are other times when we experience joy in surprising places. One of the challenges of our country right now is talking about immigration and what should be happening at our border. No matter how you may think about it politically, I think all of us can agree that there is pain and brokenness around the question of our borders. A few years ago, 
when there was a new wall that was put up, someone who was an artist said, how can joy come to this place of pain? And so that artist brought a new perspective to the wall. This type of wall has slats that go up and down with space wide enough for a seesaw to be installed on both sides of the border. In here you can see children playing in both the United States and also Mexico. You can see that for just 45 minutes, a place of pain and struggle and strife was a place of joy. As we discover more joy, we can face suffering in a way that ennobles rather than embitters. We have hardship without becoming hard. We can have heartbreak without becoming broken. To quote the Archbishop again. This Advent, I invite you to enjoy the season. What would it mean to live in joy throughout the whole month? I think it is as Paul wrote to us. It's time to wake up. Reverend Dr. Susan Eastman says, this extraordinary text tells us what it means to be morning people. In the darkness before the dawn, we are given night vision, both to name the ways that we are and our world is still in darkness, and to see the sure hope of God's salvation. Thanks be to God, for God's salvation is near. The dawn is breaking, and we can wake up to joy. Amen.